yeah, I have a YouTube channel. Um, talk about financial literacy, real estate investing, uh, personal development at Tyson Dela Cruz on YouTube, Instagram and Facebook also at Tyson Dela Cruz. And any updated information, any events that I host will be uh, at TysonDelaCruz.com. Um, often host uh, quick seminars on real estate investing, financial literacy, and then I have personal development uh, or personal empowerment, personal freedom clients, just kind of helping them uh, flip their life and kind of break out the nine to five, which yeah. is my main thing is ultimately using real estate as a vehicle to earn money, to ultimately have somebody find their passion and do things that they truly enjoy because real estate can give somebody that opportunity. This is available to the billions around the world on YouTube in 4K and audio streaming services like Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you like this content, please subscribe, like, comment, and share. And now onto the podcast. So what do you do? Uh, <laughs> you, you're doing real estate. You mentioned that earlier. Yep. Um, how long you've been doing that for? What's, uh, what specific, uh, is there a specific thing that you do in there? Is it flipping or what? Yeah, great. Um, so I was a traditional REO agent uh, back in 2010, 11, 12, uh, and then started flipping real estate. I, I got into real estate because I, I wanted to own properties. I wanted to invest in properties. In, What's in, REO? Um, bank owned properties. So, oh. yeah. So um, they would like foreclosures, Fannie's and Fre Fannie and Freddie kind of, they would close on, they would foreclose on them and a REO based agent would be either the representing listing agent or uh, the, the, the buyer's agent. So, so back in those years, that was right after the 08, 09 crash. So there was a lot of, there's a lot of bank owned property happening in Las Vegas. It was yeah. A, it was, it was a devastating time real estate wise there. Ghost so, town. In and some, it, some of these places. And was it also um, bank properties, it's um, bank locations or is it the, the, just the residential that they own commercial, they own with, their own did the banks buy a bunch of uh resi residential lots and then is it, that what it was a mi like uh it was a mi uh if you're asking if it was commercial and residential uh residential was what i represented at that time um so single family houses mostly mostly and these houses back then were going for 80 dollars today that same property is probably worth 360 340 um yeah well, well so basically in the in the early 2000s the mortgage industry in the u.s gave out so many irresponsible loans that you had this you know this gigantic portion of america on you know three-year interest only loans and then they, they default and that was that's what caused that crash but all the valuations had gone skyrocketing based on these this free money and then when it crashed uh, there were so many people that had second and third homes in Vegas, you know, people from California or that weren't even in town or whatever. So they're going to let go of, you know, these houses. So the bank has to foreclose. They've, they've, they've lended out all this, 
all this paper, all this money. And so now they're stuck holding the bag on all these homes and they got to unload them for cheap because they're not worth anything anymore. Is that, is that a pretty, yeah, that's pretty accurate. That's, okay. that's super accurate, man. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were just giving them, they were just, like it hurts my feelings just to, to say it. <laughs> As a, yeah. No, fuck and, and the banks. Little, little, little did I know fuck that. Fuck them for not controlling their <laughs> shit. Not for the banks, but because I love home ownership and what it means to oh, Americans. And okay, I love okay. people having a home and yeah. stuff. But yeah, they were so. giving those Fugazi loans out, you know. Um, if you guys, what was it? The Big Short. Mm-hmm. You know, they were Good giving. Movie. Yeah, the movie. Yeah. yeah, they were giving, you know, anybody with a heartbeat a loan. And then six months later, you can refi out of it or HELOC out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But little did I know that those type of banks, because I started flipping in 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. And then I actually started focusing on those type of foreclosures. Yeah. um, those, those, Those properties that I knew where the mortgages were sold in the secondary mortgage market, where... Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of wrongfully foreclosed on some people mm-hmm. or they didn't actually have the deed of trust. So they couldn't necessarily like completely foreclose and this property would sit vacant for years and years. So those are mm-hmm. properties that I went after, um, in 2014, 15, 16. Um, and those are the properties that I like either short sold or flipped. Is that what you're doing now too? Yeah. Yeah. And is with the um covid how how's that affect what you've been doing since um dude it doesn't it doesn't necessarily affect me much we had a bunch uh we had a bunch of data in our pipeline like to to uh to flip on properties and i was getting a bunch of referrals throughout that time because a lot of people were dumping properties even investor buddies that i knew um so uh it didn't it didn't necessarily affect me but i i was you know when when the when COVID first happened, I had a bunch of money out. Like I had a fuck ton of money out. I had just came back uh, from Peru. I stayed in the Amazon jungles for a month, and I came back. And uh, then COVID happened, and I was like, "Shit, I have all this money out. Um, what am I gonna do? Like, do I have to file? Am I gonna have to file bankruptcy? Because right, so I didn't know what what was gonna happen e- economically." Yeah, so for our, for our listeners, that means you had bought a bunch of properties yeah. and you were in the process of renovating, which is, yep. you know, all your money is deployed mm-hmm. at that time. And if the market crashes while you're, all your money is tied up, then your values decrease. Correct. So that that's the concern, you know, for our listeners. Yeah. Is, yeah. And, I, and I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, so, logically, you would think like global pandemic, economic shutdown, super unemployment would be would be miserable for home prices. You would think that would just destroy yeah. home prices. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was, you know, when, Mar- when March lockdown happened, I was ready. I was like, well, I guess I won't do any more transactions this year. I guess yeah. I'll just hang out. You know, I was prepared to sit the year out. Um, cause logically that's what, that that's what you thought would have made, made sense at that time. But it was um, complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Surprising in many ways. It was, man, it was, I was just in sh- in shock when the strip shut down. Yeah, and and the like as I'm talking to you guys, the first thought I was like, "Holy fuck! What am I gonna do with all this money that I have out?" Mm-hmm. Um, not so much about the virus because if the virus was that deadly, you know, and and granted, it re- mad respect to anybody who had lost lives during that process, but yeah, um, if it was that deadly as it init- as it initially came out of, mm-hmm. like money wouldn't even matter. So why was I even thinking about money? You know, like. Mm-hmm. 
the second thought should have been like, or the first thought should have been like Walking Dead. You know, I <laughs> yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah. I gotta catch up on yeah. some Rick Grimes <laughs> action. The zombies are coming. You know, like I gotta figure out how to live. Yeah, you but know? you you mentioned a moment, momentous thing though, because uh, I I heard people say they've never shut the strip down before, because uh, we're we're Vegas locals and the the strip is the heartbeat of the city. You know, everybody knows Las Vegas, and we're talking about those giant casinos, um, but literally. Um, they closed their doors and some of them didn't have doors to close. Like they're designed to be open all the time forever. Yeah. So you'd see casinos boarded up where they built barricades because it didn't have doors. So the idea of closing a casino is really alien and, and strange. Is it's that real? Is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. It was so rad. Um, I took my mountain bike on the strip several <laughs> times. Like mm-hmm. actually the next day after the strip closed, I was like, I'm going to take my bike on the strip and get some kick-ass photos. <laughs> I got to see this. Yeah. And then catch up <laughs> on my Rick Grimes action moves. But yeah, so I, I, I rode my bike down the strip like a lot, man. I yeah. would go on the escalator and like down these like tunnels that, you know, you naturally couldn't even walk through because nobody was there. there were hardly security. Mm-hmm. It was crazy because there were boards on the freaking Louis Vuitton mm. like place and, yeah. Louis Vuitton place. Louis Vuitton store. <laughs> the retail store. <laughs> um, but I think it was like, I think six months after when they shut down, some of the casinos were still, it still took a while. I forget, like, was it nine months? I, I forget that. Well, some of them are still closed. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was eight months, six or eight months later, I started, I was driving around and then I saw some of the the casinos still closed down and the, the boarded up things that you're mentioning. And it started almost like the dust was accumulating where it started to have like the walking dead type, like apocalyptic scene. Like I, mm-hmm. when I drove by, I'm like, holy shit, this is just like the fucking movies. Like yeah. this, it's, it's, it should be starting soon. But, uh, um, that, I mean, just to, for our listeners or whatever, to think about the people that weren't here in Vegas, just, it looked like the movies an apocalyptic movie. Yeah. Wooded up, uh, wood. Uh, to close up all the front doors that because those doors are meant to be open 24 seven. They, they never even thought about locking them ever before. And yeah. um, it was, it just, I don't know how, exp- other than then saying it's just looked like the movies and dust flying on yeah. it started to build up like, like an apocalypse. I think movie. it's weird. We're, uh, we're like two years in now coming mm-hmm. up on two years and uh, it, a lot, it feels normal, but then you get these news reminders that, Hey, there's a new variant or whatever. Uh, there's people that are still concerned. Um, but, I don't think all the casinos have come back. I mean, Palms is still closed. I think Rio is still closed. Yeah. Fia- uh, there's another one, like an old, because I have property out in Water Street. Like yeah. Fiesta, Fiesta never came back. Yeah. Um, I, I, think think, I think they're selling. So I think Texas Station over on Rancho is still mm-hmm. down and out. So, I mean, uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to express the impact of it and the surrealness of it. Just it changed our world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now we're in a weird place where... We, we think we're back at it, but who knows what's happened next? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's also accelerated a lot of things, uh, both business-wise, the way that realtors do business, the way that I do business, and yeah. um, the way that any retailer does business. Yeah. You know, that we're, we're moving in this space of, of like, digital, digital era, mm-hmm. digital currency, um, you know, uh, mobile notaries. Like, there's so many different facets that that have come out of this um, for good, you know, that will change the way that we do business moving forward. 
No, it's just moving us into the metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can buy like Nikes on in, in, in the metaverse and stuff like that, you know? It's like yeah. Ready Player One. But I think it's it's definitely accelerated the 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 freaking uh electronic era yeah. Of, yeah. of this. I just saw a news article. Somebody bought an NFT yacht for like six hundred and fifty grand. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm baffled because you can buy a real yacht for that kind of money. And then it wasn't even like a good, it was like a 3D model of a yacht, but it wasn't like a great, it was like a 1980s blocky yacht. So it was strange to me. Like if it was an amazing 3D thing, then I don't know. The valuation seems crazy to me. It's interesting, man. I was having a conversation with a buddy. He's real into like that, that world and, and yeah. real estate's moving into that space um, specifically for land flips and to mm-hmm. build basically this world is going to be like traditional real estate stuff. And I was talking to him and, and uh, like, I'm just blown away. You know, I, I understand the concept of an NFTs, right? Like these mm-hmm. photo images, cool, rad. I get it. And honestly, all this just shows to me is like anything that you place value on and put, and it's pushed enough, you can make money off of it. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah my thoughts yeah i mean i guess the confusing thing to me is maybe i'm an old-fashioned guy but if i even if i had millions like if i had tens of millions of dollars i still don't think i would drop 650 on a digital yacht because i would i would like to think i could think of better things to do with 650 grand oh yeah (laughs) i wouldn't buy 650,000 dude for oh yeah hopefully it's some money laundering thing from mafia yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd rather It'd buy be just like uh, expensive paintings. That I'd rather buy 30 cars and do my own demolition derby. That's that's, the, you know, like that's a lot of dough. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of dough. Yeah. You know, like to drop on a like a digital yacht that you have to wear an Oculus to experience. Yeah, it's weird. Like that's weird. Kind of, you know, like yeah. I want to experience like it physically mm-hmm. and have the the seawater i was gonna say semen (laughs) (laughs) over the past 10 minutes (laughs) yes (laughs) cuss as much as you want now (laughs) we have a thing we try not to cuss the first 10 minutes oh this is great (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it's working (laughs) (laughs) but just like you know that that feeling and that breeze like i want to feel that i don't yeah, I don't know, man. You'd rather be in I, Peru. I, I would spend I would spend a couple grand though on some NFTs, but nothing. Yeah, nothing more than that. Mm. Have you started working more after 2017, and or has your business how's the finances? I guess when you think about it, has your business suffered from your painting? <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, like through through psychedelics and and experiencing psychedelics and meditation and plant medicine, man, my my businesses have exploded, mm. like because my personal development exploded and i think that goes hand in hand with with business and i started just like not really not recklessly but like why not like try these things or do this fearlessly yeah 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 and that's been that's been the game changer so financially like i am like i'm good like i i want more like I want more things or I, I intend to grab more things and, and do more things with those. But like my, my business exploded 
What do you think was the best decision you made in the last four or five years outside of ayahuasca? Best decision. Uh, let, let's go business-wise. What's the best business decision? Good, good. <laughs> Cutting all that staff. <laughs> <laughs> best business decision, man. Employees are expensive. <laughs> in America, they are. Yeah. They are, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get a bunch of uh, Bangladeshi kids to work <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah, I, I had a bunch profit of skyrocket. <laughs> I had a bunch of VAs in, in Mexico and the Philippines. So that, that was cool. Um, best business decision. Um, I would say switching my mentality from a solid like flippers mentality, like just flip, just flip to holding more properties as passive income. That's been a game changer for me mm -hmm. because then that, that eases up the pressure to, to flip. And I realized like a lot of, things and, and things I was flipping for were kind of like also a little egotistical because and then filling my creative void um I'm I'm a creative dude like like I said earlier I love to paint and so you know flipping a house it's great I can design help design it and stuff so, um, so for our listeners uh you're talking about the difference between flipping and holding where a flip is you're you're trying to buy a home or a property cheap and repair it, you know, fix anything you need to get fixed and kind of upgrade it, redo the floors and walls or whatever and make it attractive. And now you've taken an undervalued property and then you're going to take it back to the market and sell it at a profit because you do have some costs for all the repairs or, or upgrades you made. And then there's a transaction cost and, and a holding cost. So it, it is challenging. A lot of people think they can watch these TV shows and just go do it. But you really have to be smart about getting that property low enough on the front end that you can clear a profit selling it at market value, even with a beautiful kitchen or whatever, right? Yeah. So are you saying that you you do that flip and then it's kind of, then you're on to the next one, right? You, you always are. get a chase. Yeah. yeah, you are. You know, just like a traditional real estate agent or a wholesaler or, you know, you, you finish the property, you sell it, and then you got to get the next one. Or, you know, it you're you're always just kind of, like your, your last deal. Yeah. I, uh, I like in 2017, I flew up to Seattle and met one of my mentors and, uh, he had asked me, he's like, Hey, how many, uh, he has like 200 something doors rentals. Oh yeah. And, uh, he had asked me, he's like, Hey, how many flips did you do? I was like 50 that year. And he goes, okay, how many did you keep? And I was like, one. Yeah. He goes, man, you ain't nothing but a high paid agent. <laughs> you know and he's like when are you gonna stop being rich start being wealthy and i'm like "Ooh, yeah uh, i like that and he's like i you need to make money when you sleep so that that that's been one of the big best decisions is just so then the difference there is warm. if you can keep a property and get somebody to rent it then you've got a monthly income just from owning that property yep um, and you're not hustling for the next one because that as long as you own it, you always get rental. Income. And you could still flip it later too. Absolutely. The, the appreciation game is great. Yep. You know, you, you want to buy real estate and wait, mm -hmm. not wait to buy real estate. Mm. So oh, I like that. Yeah. Thanks man. <laughs> no, I mean, I try to explain this to people and they're like, no, the market's going to crash. It's, it's I'm waiting for a good time. Well, good luck. You know, like, <laughs> yes. cause 
on a, on a time scale since houses have been, you know, in this place and since we've been creating housing, um, only one time on that scale has it been low, like in 2006, uh, 2009, excuse me, 2009, 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a short period of time, relatively speaking. Right. And it has since surpassed the prices that were for that same house now that was in like 2006. Oh, easily. Yeah. So the, the long game for housing is, is great. You know, not only is somebody paying uh, the mortgage down, building equity, and then you're also kicking with appreciation. Mm -hmm. So especially if you can acquire some things that have multi income on one property, whether it's like a, an apartment complex, a multi-dwelling unit, mm. something like that. Airbnb is a freaking awesome thing now. I, I hear some people do well with that. Uh, yeah. The challenge in Las Vegas is that it's technically not legal yeah. in, in the city of Las Vegas. Uh, you have to get these permits that are hard to get, uh, like one out of a thousand people. Is that a current? Wait, for what? To do Airbnb in Las Vegas. So, oh, so Las, really? Yeah, Las Vegas has these giant casinos, and they don't want you competing with their hotel rooms, right? Yeah. Interesting. So the city of Las Vegas is not too friendly to the idea. Uh, they don't really like crack down or anything, but, you know, can you, you know, can you like, so as a realtor, I can't recommend somebody, hey, go do an Airbnb. It's a great deal because I don't know when the city might, right. might change their tune. Um, so, but I do hear about people doing well at it, especially if you already own a place and then you're Airbnb in it. I, it's a different story for you. Like, I'm going to go buy a house so I can airbnb it because now you're taking on a whole new thing a whole new risky venture yeah that's a whole nother business model you know like for me for me uh i found like i i originally started with tenants great doing their thing um i didn't really like it you know so now i rent per room fully furnished rooms. oh yeah so that's smart i it doesn't have to have a bunch of equity yeah and, you know, the only funky thing is, is like, it's hard to refinance out of them because I, they, they don't count that as like a full income. They'll, they'll accredit it to like max income, but mm-hmm. I'm getting way more than max income on some of these properties. So, because ah. I can fit like 10 people in a house, you know, like converted garage. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I like that model, man. Yeah. Because then that frees me up to do things that I like to do. Yeah. Do you just have like bunk beds and no, <laughs> that'd be cool. It's like camp. I know a guy, uh, he had a house, uh, up next to Google headquarters and, uh, I don't want to say too much. <laughs> I don't want to reveal the guy, but he, he bought this house and then Google opened their headquarters, like literally a block away. And so they're always hiring in engineers and they're, you know, these are guys from India or straight out of college from somewhere. And they're, they're making now, now they're making Google salary and the housing is so expensive there. And he just starts renting out rooms in his house. And then it gets so lucrative where he's like, he's walling off the living room and creating new room. It turns into this giant dormitory. And at one point, some dude was renting a tent in the backyard for 500 a month. And he would have to come in to go to the kitchen and the bathroom. But he was super stoked. He's like, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I got a tent for 500. And he can walk to work. Yeah. yeah. Good for so, him. But, um, <laughs> Good for but that's him. how crazy it can get. 
I mean, I guess rents are, are skyrocketing right now, so yeah. that may be more attractive to somebody who wants a low overhead. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's 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 some really cool, like, things that I've kind of learned over the course of time is, is figuring out how to how to maximize the highest and best use of the property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's converting the garage. Yeah. Uh, or there's a detached garage that's, a, that's an additional dwelling unit. Mm. where it can be a potential apartment or studio for somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a whole host of things and opportunities to kind of make money in, in, in real estate, you know? Yeah. Um, it just depends on what a specific person's investment principles are. Yeah. And I think those are important. I think 20, 2013, when I came back to Vegas, uh, we'd, we'd finished up in San Diego. I came back to Vegas and uh, I'd always wanted to be a Vegas bartender. And I was like, now's the time because, you know, uh, I'm, I'm I'm no strings and I'm ready to just make a run at it. Yeah. So in 2013, the market was still hurting. Um, this is back then Southern Highlands. It's funny. Southern Highlands right now is like prime super real estate. But back then Southern Highlands was literally ghost town. Super ghost town. I do remember that. Yeah. I was telling, just, I was telling my, my spouse about that. Yeah, insane. Like you drive by and just empty houses, just crazy. Yeah. Um, but at that time in 2013, I rented a room from some dude off of Craigslist. It was 300 a month. Craigslist was safe back then. Uh, yeah. Just and they had hookers back then too. Yeah. <laughs> and you could buy guns. That was before the hooker purge. Not that I would know, but <laughs> for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> where, where are the hookers now? Uh, well, they were on Backpage for a little while, then they got got. So now they're on OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, now you got to go to specific websites, and that's yeah, a whole thing. That's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, but for three hundred a month, uh, utilities included, just just a room to rent. Uh, this is off of Blue Diamond, uh, down like Blue Diamond and uh, Fort Apache, and uh, you know it was just super efficient way to live. Like just everything's covered. I don't have to worry about anything. I got a place to to sleep and you know park my car and get to work. Right, so. Yeah. Same room probably eight hundred dollars a month now. Oh yeah, it's nuts right now. Yeah, it's uh rents have skyrocketed this. I think this summer, early this summer, is when it really went nuts. But certainly this year, rents have gone crazy in Vegas for for the locals. It's tough. Yeah. Where do you where do you kind of see the market going? Your uh, your personal opinion? Yeah, personally, um, you know, it's hard to predict. But uh, the the two things I look at is. It's it's basically a supply and demand issue right now. So is that going to resolve anytime soon? Is our interest rates going to go up much? Probably not anytime soon. Are people going to stop moving to Las Vegas anytime soon? I don't think so. I mean, there's there's a lot of projections. Like we have two million people now. They're thinking another million people want to move here in the next ten years, which which is insanity. Like there ain't that many houses. Right. Yeah. They're just they're building new houses as fast as they can. And it's such a tiny portion of the market and, and the need for people that want to be here. It'll um, it'll it'll correct itself once you guys run out of water and power. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> once, once Lake Mead is done, Vegas is done. Yeah. I've, I've talked to some people who are uh, closer to that and uh, it's not a serious it's it sucks. We need more water, but it's it's, it's like not, a, it's not a real issue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's an issue, but the thing is like the cities, something like the cities will take up like 10% of the water and 90% is agriculture. So the first ones to start losing it will be like random alfalfa farms out in the Arizona desert, you know? Yeah. 
why do we need to grow alfalfa in the middle of Arizona? <laughs> so those things kind of get chewed up first. And then there's all these allocation um, agreements and contracts between the states. So Nevada, I think, is always using less in its allocation and selling the rest of California. So Yeah, I, I was reading something about that. They were thinking about piping some stuff in California because of the allocation. Yeah. You know. I mean, there's a giant aqueduct. The, yeah. the California aqueduct That's, is how the water goes now. So, I mean, if, if they could make that, it's just a big concrete, you know, ditch. Uh, ditch. Yeah. It's from here to California. Aqueduct. And, yeah. So, I mean, today. yeah, it's a, it's aqueduct. a big concrete ditch that runs tons of water down there. So, I mean, why can't they <laughs> run water into the top side of this equation? Because the water comes from like Colorado snowmelt. Yeah. Um, mostly. So, can they. I mean, is there some place in Canada that's got way too much water? Or, like, does Oregon have too much water? Could we run a pipe or an aqueduct? Yeah, but that's our water. You can't have any. Yeah, can you run Can you run an aqueduct? <laughs> yeah. But uh, would, you, would you sell it, right? Would Oregon sell if water? If I had the choice, I would sell it, yes. But yeah. <laughs> we, so, we sell power to California and water also. You know, yeah. California, every state that kind of is around California kind of contributes to California's existence. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, but we know we know there's a giant oil pipeline coming down out of Alaska since like the 70s or something. So, you guys been to Alaska? I have not. No. So it's not it's not a technology question. Alaska? Yeah. No, I have not been to Alaska. Here it's cold. Like <laughs> did you go to Juneau? Uh, yes, I did go to Juneau. Yeah, and then the North Pole. And did you go? You been to the North Nights Pole? Or what was yeah. That? Yeah. Really? I, I got a little. I got a small parcel of land in the North Pole. What? Yeah, super small. It's like the size of a nickel. (laughs) Hey, whatever, man. Yeah, it's super cool. Sell it as an NFT. (laughs) I should, right? (laughs) Wait, how are we talking like five miles from the North Pole or what's the uh, actual? No, like in the North Pole. Like it's North Pole, Alaska. Super, super cool spot. It's like Christmas all year round over there. Yeah. Dude, that's enough land to like put a flag in. (laughs) Yeah, like one of those pizza flags. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna make sure you're going straight down, so you don't hit yeah. your neighbor's dirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's super nice up there. Um, yeah, what made you go up there? Just vacation or what was yeah, the, okay. yeah, yeah. Check it out. I always wanted to go. Yeah, I'm not good with cold. The the northern lights, man. I went up in February. <laughs> northern lights or something. Nice. Something crazy, man. Yeah, we were supposed to be able to see that shit from uh, where I live recently, and uh, sure enough, it's fucking cloudy as fuck. Can't see anything. Can't even see uh, the sky. <laughs> see, you got too much water. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Tyson, what's your intuition on the property? You asked Emmett what he thinks the property in Vegas might be like in the near future. What do you have a different thoughts on it by any chance? Um, very, very similar. Very similar, man. Um, I don't see. You know, people are like, "Oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to buy." I'm like, "Dude, you're gonna be waiting. Yep, mm-hmm. you're gonna be waiting until you're broke." You know. Um. Supply and demand issue. Uh, Vegas is hot. It's a city that's growing. There's still space to grow. Mountain's Edge can still grow. Pahrump, like these other neighboring places that still have opportunity for expansion. Um, unless they start doing something fagazi with the loans again, I don't see that happening. Even if interest levels, interest rates like increase, there's still supply and demand. A lot of people are moving out of these major places like California, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think real estate as a whole 
is is on an uptick. Uh, still, very bullish. Um, I think you know uh, when we're talking about because uh, back during COVID uh, or C nineteen, I don't know how we can get flagged for that, but um, but during oh, during say, yeah. yeah during during the pandemic, uh, they oh. did the the foreclosure moratoriums. Mm. Um, and the, the rental moratoriums and, and, and you know, people weren't necessarily, people aren't getting foreclosed on, uh, and people are like, oh, we're going to wait for the sea of foreclosures hitting the market. The, the banks aren't going to do that, you know, and they're offering these people that haven't made a mortgage payment in a year and a half now. Yeah. Like they're offering them another 30 year loan or another 40 year loan at a lower interest rate lower payment yeah lower payment and during the time that they haven't made mortgage payments their equity increased like 30,000 yep. 40,000 50,000 so th- there's not going to be a sea of foreclosures you know no there's still like there's some there's a few but but basically since since home values have gone up in general during covid times or yeah, you're right. Maybe we should edit that out. It's yeah. good thinking. Yeah, since since these strange times, <laughs> home prices have have skyrocketed. It makes it so easy to refi that uh, the the existing lenders will go, "Hey, we know you know you had some trouble. Let's refi you to a better deal, and we'll we'll start the clock fresh." Yep. So when people can do that, and if somebody can't do that, they can just sell, and and there's no problem. You walk with whatever your profit is. Yeah. So why would you foreclose when you could sell it and walk with the extra money? So it just, that was another projection that people made that said, you know, I see what's going to happen. I can tell you what's going to happen and uh surprise. Right. So it's, it's, yeah, for, for me, like these, um, you know, people are like, uh, Oh, the, the housing it's, it's expensive. It's expensive. It's, it's overpriced. It's not expensive in my opinion, you know, like, yeah, it's overpriced. We're a little, we're inflated. Um, there's still opportunity to find deals for me specifically flippers and, and also, uh, agents too. Like you're still going to list properties. Uh, for me, uh, I, I have found a better ROI further in the United States, like Midwest that like the ROI works is, is a little bit more in my favor, cash on cash and the rents are the same. So it just makes a little bit more sense for me. Do you, do you end up traveling to other states a lot? Man, or? I used to. Yeah. Um, I don't anymore. Like, uh, have a team where I where I pick up, where nice. I buy. Um, and I, I am going to Arizona because I just closed on something in Arizona last week. Yeah. And they just started demo, so I wanted to go check it out. Nice. So I'm like, cool. It's yeah. It's a cool write-off. Yeah. So... Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, and I don't see it. I don't see it dipping. I don't see it dipping. No, it might have little dips here and there, I think, but in the long run, the trend lines is going to be upwards. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a flatten out time, you know, I don't know. I got to look at the numbers this, I don't, I don't know if you looked at the numbers this month or I think January we'll kind of see like, okay, cool. Maybe it flattened out. I don't know what the inventory is right now. I think maybe like still 2000 homes yeah, available. Super maybe. low. Yeah. And that includes condominiums, townhomes, 
But I think the other thing I see is that all all the people I know in town, everybody I personally know, everybody I've helped buy and sell homes, everybody I see in real life, you know, even if the economy took a dump right now, even if, you know, things went crazy again, if there's a lockdown, whatever, I don't see these people leaving their homes. Like they don't have someplace better to go. These are right. legit, legitimate people that have a solid loan and a solid income that this is their best gig, right? They're not motivated to dump a house. Right in any well, way, shape or form. The way the market is too. I mean, even with people that have built a lot of equity very quickly, even if they were to sell, it's not like they would have to downgrade in order to be able to keep any of that liquid equity that they got from their house. You know what I mean? Like the, the housing yeah. prices are so ridiculous in a lot of places that even with the equity, you're not gaining anything by selling unless you want to downgrade. Yeah, people talk about selling. I go, well, don't don't do it unless you got someplace better to go. Like, yeah, unless, unless you got sure. something lined up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Don't jump out there and be a buyer right now if you don't yeah. have to be. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're not gonna win. Yeah, it's tough times. Yeah. What do you guys, um, especially you, Tyson? What do you uh, What do you think about this whole situation with uh, a lot of institutional uh, firms? I guess you could say purchasing homes explicitly with the intention of renting them out. So for example, like Zillow has been doing this, which, you know, has raised a lot of red flags because they can manipulate, not manipulate, but they can influence the price of things that they own because people see the prices on Zillow and assume this and that. And like in Canada, for example, you have, I forget what they're called, core development group or some shit, you know, buying billions of dollars worth of homes to turn them into rental properties. This seems to be a common thing that's happening, um, not just in America, but all over. How do you think this will influence things in the long run where big corporations, you know, are essentially scooping up homes with the intention of never selling and just generating that passive income? Tyson, you could go first. I think I know Emmett's answer. But. Yeah, that dude, that's, um, it's, it's, it's always happened. Like it's always been around mm -hmm. yet more so significantly the occurrence of it and more money is being pushed in the market. Yeah. Um, I, so two things, uh, they've already done their market research. So for me, like for my buying strategy and my portfolio personally, I'm following that lead, right? That's like smart. I'm, I'm buying, I'm holding for a year, two years. If I decide to flip it or refinance out of it, I can. Um, great. Because I know the inventory also for homes. Uh, are limited. So the cost of rent will still continue to go up every year. And long-term, uh, in my opinion, I see the, uh, uh, the accessibility for affordable housing continue to be a struggle, um, throughout our population. Um, affordable housing is an issue now, and I think it will further worsen through this and those movies like ready player one where people are living in a container mm -hmm. for 1500 bucks a month or 3000, you know, like California. Yeah. Um, is not, uh, far thought no. from being removed. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I think, uh, just follow the lead in regards of acquiring and, and renting and then also uh, finding an opportunity to to create some affordable housing, like real affordable housing. I think 
Um, you see it in Seattle too. You see it in Seattle where people are, are, are buying these kind of condos or, or they're renting these spaces in these high density areas where they're sharing living spaces and they're living their actual like sleeping quarters and kind of home quarters is two or 400 square feet. Mm-hmm. But then they're sharing living spaces with other people. Like, like a college dorm, like a college dorm. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I do see that happening here and I do see like home acquisition and home ownership will be for, uh, you know, that higher end wealth gap because this is just going to continue to deepen the wealth gap. Yep. Just my thoughts. I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I was just curious what you thought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, so I would separate Zillow a little bit. Zillow is kind of like an iBuyer, like open door, offer pad, those kind of like Redfin does a lot in there. Uh, yeah. they're just, they're just giving people a low ball cash offer and one out of a hundred or one out of a 500 people will take it. Right. They're saying, Hey, you know, I bet your house is worth 450. We'll give you a uh, 400 cash right now. If you want to pick your date and we'll just give you a check and easy peasy. Right. So it takes a lot of hassle out of it, but you're losing that that spread of what they think they're going to make. Right. So then they, they, they look at it and go, Oh, we need to replace a water heater. And then they, they list it and then they'll try to sell it at a profit. Right. So there's that, that I buyer model of that low cash offer, which is not a whole lot different than flipping. Uh, they just do less, uh, renovation. It seems, you know, they're just yeah. fixing anything that needs to get fixed. They're not making a fancy kitchen or, or awesome bathrooms or anything. So I'm okay with that because they're not taking a home off the market for our local hardworking people, right? Our regular, our regular guy, you know, regular couple, regular family that wants a home that's still just a home being bought and sold, yeah. right? So when you have a hedge fund uh, out of Wall Street with billion dollar funds collecting up homes and renting them out, now that sucks to me because they're pulling a home off the market that a young family could own and get that equity. But instead, since they can't afford to compete against these big entities, now they're stuck in the rental market, renting and paying to rent a home that they couldn't afford to buy. So the profit, right? The equity gain that goes to this wall street entity, which is owned by, you know, the shareholders who are, you know, who owns all the stock. Is it the rich people or the poor people? Yeah. Right. Um, So it's, it's very, like you say, it's very much a wealth problem. For, for an individual person, like if you got your shit together and you can buy another home and rent it out, that's great for you, right? But if there's a, a monstrous billion-dollar fund doing this at scale, you're, you're pulling homes off the market that people can't buy anymore. Uh, it's It seems predatory to me. You know, is it just good business? Is it just following the laws and the rules and, and winning? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if this is a thing in Vegas, but here in Portland... Um, and the Portland metro area in general, mm-hmm. a lot of people that I've known that have gone through the process of buying a home, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they have to deal with uh, cash offers sight unseen from out-of-state buyers. Yeah. And it overly inflates the cost of housing. So if someone lists a house for 400K and, you know, you put an offer for 415, some some yokel from California will offer 450 and they'll waive the inspection, you right. know, and they'll cover the closing costs too and all of that. You know, I see this a lot and I just from because I'm at the age now where a lot of my peers are starting to purchase houses and every single one of them has had this issue where they're competing with with money from who knows where, you know. Yeah, California is a big part of that. Any any large city with high, uh, higher cost of living than us is used to that. 
But yeah, people are coming in and to them dropping an extra 20 grand or an extra 50 grand. They don't care because it looks like no. a steal to them, right? No. right? Yeah. Yeah. So 800 grand will buy me a shack in San Diego. Mm-hmm. But oh man, 600 will give me this mansion in Vegas. Yep. Right. So yeah. 650. All right, let's do it. You know, and you blow people out of the water. So that's people moving state to state. I'm kind of okay with that. We've seen in Vegas a long history of uh, Chinese money. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And it, you know, they love Rhodes Ranch. I don't know why, but <laughs> they're all over Rhodes Ranch. I've heard um, it's a big problem in Canada, especially in Vancouver. Yeah. With, uh, oh, a oh, lot but- of houses just being empty. Sorry, what? No, go ahead. I, like oh, Obama passed that during his administration regarding uh, investors overseas. I don't right. know what the specific number amount is, but if they invested X amount of dollars, they can get their visa, something of yeah. that capacity. But um, but what I'm seeing is they're not moving into these houses. Oh, right? no. If, if you no. want to come yeah. to Vegas yeah. and be one of us, yeah. great, right? Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah. But I see outside money buying up the home and not living there and renting it out to our our locals now that are renting instead of buying. Yeah, and, then, and all the equities so, going to them. Well, we're effectively shipping those rents and equities over to China. Yep. So that doesn't make any sense to me. I think there should be some protection for our our primary residents, local working home buyers, right? And so how would you do that? And the only way I can think of is you just put a fat tax on somebody who's not buying their primary residence, right? So if you want to buy from out of state or buy from out of country, here's a fat tax on it. Take that tax money and make first-time homebuyer programs. Help people with their down payments, right? Help our locals. Something like a 40% luxury second home tax. Uh, yeah, I don't know, 20 grand or 30 grand or whatever, you know? Well, see, um, I, I, I agree with I that in that. principle, but I, I feel that as also as a fan of uh, white-collar crime stuff, <laughs> they would they would find ways around that 100%. almost immediately. Oh, yeah. totally. Almost yeah. immediately. Yeah. They, would, they yeah. would wind up paying nothing, and people just working class people would somehow find themselves getting screwed by it. You know, well, that's, I, I think, I think that uh, just in general, when we're talking about working class people and, and furthering the wealth gap, because mm-hmm. all, all this, it, it does increase the wealth gap. Yep. Um, but sometimes I, I, I look and I'm like, they all have opportunities to kind of level up, right? Like change, change uh their financial status and i get there's nuances to that i get that right i get you know environmental psychology plays a huge role into that um all these other things um but they just in general everybody has kind of the same opportunity to kind of move up um and i think providing better education to those areas like mm-hmm. financial literacy yeah. you know isn't something that i learned in school how to balance a checkbook uh how to be an entrepreneur or how to create a business mm-hmm. this these small kind of nuances would change the way that people live their lives yeah and potentially change uh their uh their 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 status their financial status yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. Um, I think if you think about the the people you went to high school with, right? Think of your high school class. There's an average, right? There's an average person. We can't all be superstars. Correct. There's there's going to be somebody who's going to be the high performing, awesome, you know, the entrepreneur, right? Who does really well, right? But we can't all be the winner, right? Right. So right. you know, there's some average. I feel like 
it's it, it should be easier for the average because as it stands, if you're rich, you're buying the politicians to write the laws to rig the game 100%, yeah. in your favor. So we're rigging yep. the game against our average people. So yeah, and I like I I I feel for that yeah. because you know like the 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 person who works housekeeping at the MGM who maybe makes sixty grand a year could have in the past afforded a home yeah, and easily now she has to rent at 1800 bucks a month super sucks Mm -hmm. super sucks and have a roommate (laughs) and have and have a roommate you know convert the garage um it's it's tough man you know especially in these bigger metropolitan areas yeah you know and and do you do you get up and and take your family somewhere do you do you move do you move to somewhere that is less financially impactful in that space, but the, you know? But that's what'll end up happening, right? Because I came here from San Diego yeah. in large part because I finished accounting school. I got my degree in accounting in 2001 and I looked around and said, I'm never going to be able to afford a house in yeah. San Diego, right? Starting at zero. That's smart dude, right? I went to college. I got a, I got a, a real degree in a real profession. And I looked around and go, you know what? This This doesn't add up. So what made Vegas attractive is, hey, the numbers are more, just like you go into another state for flipping, yeah. right? Vegas was more attractive in that way. But now we're catching up to those other cities to where, what's next? Do we go to Tucson? If, if you and, start, and, oh, yeah, sorry, if, if you finish high school in Vegas today and you go, you know what, I'm priced out of life here. Where do you go? Albuquerque? Do you, do you keep moving to some other place? You know, <laughs> it depends <laughs> right? on your, you know, like your, your, your morals and, and like what yeah. you want to do and who you want to be in the world. Like, yeah. you know, does, does the, does the fancy house and the, this, you know, condo, your status, is that important? Or I've been to places in the Midwest that are so beautiful that, mm. you know, the houses aren't mansions. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, or they're, but they have land, they have land and, and mm-hmm. they they love mother nature and they spend time with their family and they're not caught up in the rust of bustle. Is, is that a better life? You know, yeah. I guess it just depends on. But the challenge the there is that, um, when you keep rigging the laws to squeeze the, the average people, now this person is like, yeah, I could move off to Ohio or something, but my parents are here. I need help with babysitting. Yeah. Right. So there's all these, if you squeeze people in enough places, it limits their choices. Yeah. It um, even limits them to move too. Yeah. You know, cause it's costly to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it kind of all seems to on the free market economy, this, uh, capitalist system, we're seeing the, we're seeing the, the, uh, I, w- I don't want to say the fringes. We're seeing the, the mistakes that it can, can have. I, I just think the squeeze has gotten too hard. You know, there's yeah. always been a, a, a little bit of stealing at the top. I think that with a market economy that is bound to happen, that, that yep. it's human nature that yep. we mm-hmm. have these, this greed, this, this power struggle, the people at top want to keep their power and keep on squeezing those that they can squeeze. And I think that's a flaw in this market economy. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Game my, theory, yo. Yeah. Yeah. My, my only guess is I, I think literacy, uh, literacy, education, get that in the, in the youth. And then I theorize this would be far fetched. It would never probably happen is you change 
the letter of the law to the spirit of the law. I have no idea how you would do that. You would <laughs> with the guillotine. That's how you do it. Um, you would revolution. <laughs> you would probably el- eliminate lobbying, eliminate uh, certain certain politicians, campaign contributions. Yep, eliminate that, and then you'd figure out a way to pay the politicians the right amount of money for them to do a moral job, and they do not where voting actually has Matters, an effect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all politicians should have a shared pool of money. Anyone that wants to donate can donate, but it go, gets spread out evenly to everyone. Weird. What would that way? That way, no specific person can be influenced by one specific lobby or industry. That's mm. so interesting how that works, man. Like, mm. uh, you know, in the in the um, in on this side of the table, it's called corruption. You know, mm. on that side of the table, it's called lobbying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Name exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's insane, and this is not like a political thing either. Like it happens oh. on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Like, like all. I honestly don't think any politician actually cares about your average working class person. You know what I mean? I think that they're all just. I don't know. I, I hate politics. No, but this, so. this is how broken it is. Is I'm 44 years old. All my life, they've been talking about affordable housing, and you know what? I never see it. Check yeah. this out. I know. So, yeah. So. um it's funny that you bring that up, man, because yeah. I uh, I had this lot in Old Henderson that I was looking to build, yeah. and I went to the city. I got in with the city. I'm still great with the city. Yeah, um, Made some beautiful connections there in the city of Henderson. And I'm talking to uh, one of the people that sits on the chair, and I'm like, hey, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, build this kind of affordable housing either for homeless or uh, you know, troubled youth. And they're like, no, (laughs) nope. Um, because as an apartment complex, it doesn't increase their tax revenue in the district. Mm. And then also, uh, as I'm diving deeper into this affordable housing, wait, were they, were they that, uh, brazen and blunt about it? They're like, Hey, we don't care because it's not tax revenue. They were pretty close to that. It was pretty like, like, Hey, you're not going to get this passed like that. Yeah, fat chance. Yeah, like, okay. hey, this isn't this isn't gonna work. Okay, you're not even gonna get hurt. Yeah. Um. I was like, okay. Um. So as I'm diving deeper into this, affordable housing is uh, a lower price uh, home solely based on the average income in the area. Okay. So, for example, like, uh, uh. Uh, a prominent place in, in Vegas or like let's say Southern Highlands or Rhodes Ranch or the Ridges, you yeah. can have affordable housing in the Ridges. <laughs> yes, it's like cheaper in the Ridges. Yeah, in, 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 in an area for people that are listening, like, you know, where homes are 700,000, yeah. uh, 800,000, you can have affordable housing in that area that's yeah. 600,000. You're not struggling if you're up in the Ridges. Right. <laughs> so the it's it's solely based on the area. relative to yeah yeah so and they still get um the cuts from that like the credits and all that the yeah. credits from that but and yeah it, so it you're say, you're mind. saying the reality is that it's still not affordable housing no yeah it blew my mind and i'm like yo and as i'm as i'm still cuz i'm still in this space cuz i i'm doing some construction and and things like that yeah but uh it just blows my mind how like these, these things are bent, mm-hmm. you know, when I, before going into it, I'm like, Oh, affordable housing. Okay. Yeah. $200,000 home. That's a great description of it. The $150,000 home. Yeah. 
And now it's like five hundred thousand is affordable, you know? Yeah. Uh that's above the median for the city. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, just just something to to look at, you know? Yeah. Let me it's, let me ask you guys a question really quick. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have these in Vegas, but all over Portland and some other areas I've lived, I would see signs stapled to like uh utility poles or just in the ground or whatever, handwritten usually where people are offering cash for houses and they have a phone number. Who the fuck are these people? Is that real? Like, do people actually call these numbers and be like, yeah, I want to sell my fucking house, you know? <laughs> like, do you guys yeah. know anything about that? Like, I, I don't know why I just randomly thought about that, but like, I just I, don't get it. Well, it's a flipper strategy, right? Uh, I mean, you might have a different answer, but uh, so uh, if you got a pool of cash, you put up a sign and-, and A handwritten might... sign on a utility pool outside of a fucking Popeye's? You know what There's I mean? A... Like. There's a certain kind of a homeowner that hates the whole idea of realtors and the city and administrators and the and taxes and and all this bullshit. I should just be able to sell whoever the fuck I want to sell it to. You know, I bought this house back in 1963 with a $15,000 check and I should <laughs> I should be able to do my own business and there's, right. a cer- there's a certain kind of person that hates the process and they go, hey, "You know what? I'll call this guy see what the, you know, I'll I'll see what the fuck he wants, right?" And Sometimes they haven't, you know, because that person who's making that offer is going to go. It's pretty easy nowadays. Look on the internet, you get enough information about a property. This home is probably worth three oh seven, and you go, hey, you know what? Hey, man, if you want to sell this place, I got two eighty five cash, right? Right. And if that person, if they in their head were thinking two seventy, you know, because they're not on the internet, they're going, hey, two eighty five, you're a sucker. I'll take that, right? I only only paid fifteen grand for it back in sixty. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all different scenarios that if you if you go through a hundred or a thousand people, there's some match percentage. Uh that that's my take on it. I don't know if you have a different No, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. There um have you written your phone number on some Popeye's post? <laughs> no. No. Um I, they're they're called bandit signs. Um typically done on telephone poles and you know, you you'd said Popeyes, you know, like what they're, they're targeting a specific demographic, you know, like with handwritten, just like you, what you were saying, mm-hmm. a specific audience is going to call that number. Right. Um, great, great tool for potential inbound calls. Um, I've never personally used it because I, I prefer like very niche marketing. I prefer door knocking. I prefer like direct to seller contact versus uh, bandit signs. And, you know, bandit signs are, they're, they're just a lot of work. Uh, you know, we, we, we text and have outbound calls and stuff like that. So, but they, they do work. They do work. I actually, um, if I see one, uh, I often call it so I can create a relationship with that person on the other end. And Interesting. Uh, he can send me the deals or he or she can send me the deals. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an ambitious wholesaler. It is, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. A motivated. Uh, yeah. Most, most of the time, you know, that doesn't cost a bunch of money to market like that. So yeah. it is somebody who's fairly new. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'll buy your house for cash. I, I love the sign. I don't know. Recently it says you got di- like diabetes and you like, 
you can exchange like your diabetes tests or something and you get oh, money for yeah. your diabetes tests. That's really? been popping up around here for the last six or eight months like crazy. Yeah. That, that's because you can, yeah. you can use you can use like Medicare or whatever to get the strips and to sell them. That's why. Yeah. 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 Oh, like an unused test? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That seems yeah. uh seems dangerous. <laughs> it seems like yeah. a sketchy world. Hey but. man, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to make money. People are making money. I'm not hanging out at Popeye's yeah. enough. <laughs> I, I respect the guy that came up. Yeah. Sorry, Lemon. Is this where we wanted this podcast to go? You know what? We, what um, I'll do is uh, plug yourself, and then I'm going to actually cut this out and put the beginning, too. So uh, you do mention that you do a podcast, and then if anyone's interested in real estate, how what would what type of clients are you looking for, and how should they contact you? So plug yourself on everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be right back. I'm just going to use the restroom. Pink, okay. feel You're going to miss his pitch. Cut this out. Yeah, I know. You're going to miss the pitch, I've had to, pee for, I've had to pee for 40 minutes, man. Yeah, I have a YouTube channel. Um, talk about financial literacy, real estate investing, uh, personal development, at Tyson Dela Cruz on YouTube, Instagram and Facebook also, at Tyson Dela Cruz. And any updated information, any events that I host will be uh, at TysonDelacruz.com. Um, often host uh, quick seminars on real estate investing, financial literacy, and then I have personal development uh, or personal empowerment, personal freedom clients, just kind of helping them uh, flip their life and kind of break out the nine to five, which yeah. is my main thing is ultimately using real estate as a vehicle to earn money to ultimately have somebody find their passion and do things that they truly enjoy because real estate can give somebody that opportunity cool and then if with real estate or i guess they just go to your website and then contact you that way tyson de la cruz yep. com. Yep. okay cool yep there's a newsletter on there too that hops out like once uh once a week not too spammy um not too spammy Cool. But yeah, they can check me out at TysonDelacruz.com. All the updates will it's be It's not spam too. if it's knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go check it out. Well, I, but yeah, the websites, we're, uh, we're redoing the website too. So, um, you know, a new version of the website should be up in a couple yeah. weeks. But just talking to you and getting to know you, like, I'm going to go check it out because yeah. I want to hear what Tyson has to Thanks, say. Man. Not because I think there's some sales pitch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah, we uh during during COVID, man, it was so cool because hosted uh at the time I lived on an acre property. Mm-hmm. Um we hosted freaking sound healing events, meditation events, yoga, had a, a farmer's market. Nice. Yeah, it was it was so cool, man. Had a bunch of food trucks. So I post that stuff on on uh Tysonelcruz.com. Okay. And you can see the the, the any events. Uh, so I, I run a, uh, a meetup group here in Las Vegas. Oh, sweet. So if you want me to bring 20 or 30 active people. Yeah. What kind to, of, to what, something like a yoga event. What or, kind of meetup? It's technically called graduated, moved to Vegas, twenties and thirties, but I don't require any of those things. You could be none of those things. You don't, you don't need to have gone to college or you could be a Vegas local, you know, you don't, you could be. Older, you can't really be younger. I can't really have kids hanging around because we do a lot of drinking. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, but I mean, basically, don't be an a hole. Yeah, and come hang out and have fun. Yeah, um, sounds like a good. But group. if you're doing stuff like yoga and and things that you want people to show up to, I'll 
Oh, sweet, man. Because they're always yeah. looking for, they basically want to meet each other and socialize. Yeah. yeah. So an event is a perfect way to. And that's, that's what it's about, man. That's why I like hosting events. I used to host a real estate investment meetup. Yeah. I love doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also do some, uh, some talks or, or coaching at, at specific brokerages here in town. Nice. Uh, talk to the sales team and, and help them set goals and kind of give them, right. Uh, set them on their way for mindset. Yeah. Um, I did that today actually. Um, and then I have a couple more this week, but cause the quarter's ending. So, you know, good for, to get people in line and in tune with 2022. Um, Wait, but if you figured out how to be successful, why are you sharing all the secrets to everybody else? Dude, success is like an ever unfolding thing, man. And success success is totally based on the beholder, you know? Um, Success isn't based on something that's in the bank account or... You're giving away all the secrets. Hey, man, you know? Dude, Sharon's caring, bro. (laughs) Like, honestly, man, like, that's that's been another thing is like, let me share... Let me share what I, what I know. Yeah. And somebody will resonate it. Other people will say, fuck you. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, like those people that say, fuck me, aren't those people, aren't my people. And that's okay. Yeah. Like totally cool. But somebody's going to hear it and be like, yo, that was super cool. Um, it was so great. Like after the, the meeting this morning, Mm -hmm. you know, the agents come up and they're like, Hey, I, I really needed that today. You know, ultimately, I just want to give people tools that I've experienced personally to help them empower themselves. And if they can do that, fucking kudos, man. Are you a uh, waking up at 5 a.m., hitting hitting the road hard and 100 miles an hour all day? No. Working kind of guy? No. 100 miles an hour all day is, is you know, I'm not a fan of, of grinding all the time. Yeah, you need a brick of cocaine like Joe's got <laughs> to, to handle that, <laughs> and <Yeah>. meth. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I ask because I do see some um, agents and brokers and people in the business here in town that they're literally just they're up early and they're the most energetic people, and they've got a, a motor on them that just doesn't stop. And if you're working, you know, three times as hard as everybody else, you're going to have three times as much success. Yeah, and know? and you know that's that's great. Yeah, like. I think there's there's many different ways to skin to skin that deal. Like I said, you know, success is totally based on the beholder. Yeah. And if somebody feels to do that, great. Um I'm not a fan of grinding all the time. Um I think there's there's seasons. I think we have seasons as people, mm-hmm. as humans, like okay, this is my season to grind or this is my season to hustle. I'm I'm more of a fan of of aligning with um, what I want and figuring out, okay, this is truly what I want. And then the actions in the midst of that kind of become easy because I'm clear on what I want. A lot of people will just grind and grind and grind and not have an end goal. Yeah. Um, I do wake up early. Um, I do enjoy working early. Yeah. Uh, just because I feel during that time, like five thirty. To me, the world is quiet. I'm yeah. not getting calls from escrow. Uh, you know, my dog isn't up yet. Uh, they're up, but they're not like yeah. hyper. Um, I'm able to do some work. And actually, I, I spend a lot of time with myself in the morning. Like I wake up, I meditate right away. Mm-hmm. I journal. And then I'll drink some tea. Yeah. And just kind of like, okay, how do I want my day? How do I want my day to pan out? To me, that's more important than like. Yeah. Hopping on and going ham. 
Because yeah. like you said earlier, everything comes with a cost. I don't remember saying it, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so those guys that are uh, up early and hitting it hard, I see them going gray faster too. For sure. So. <laughs> and how are their relationships with their family? Uh, it depends on the guy, you know. Yeah. Um, some some do it well, some Yeah. Some or, or the spouse works with them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm a little bit jealous that I'm not an early riser. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm rising to consciousness around nine or 10. I'm like, shit, Tyson's got a head start on me already. (laughs) 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 Got shit done. But dude, like I, I I don't remember. I productivity project was the book, uh, blue book. Um, and he, he spent like a year, year and a half trying all these different rituals out on productivity. And for him, based on his human archetype Mm -hmm. for him, working later in the evening he was most creative yeah um and he was most productive and sleeping in worked for him yeah so like whatever works for anybody like whatever works for you do it yeah yeah on your podcast is it video or audio only um it's it's video yeah yeah are you pushing video to youtube uh, to Twitch, to we just, Spotify. Yeah, we just mainly push it on uh, YouTube. So um, I'd like to, I, I launched a podcast in 2016. Solely Way audio. Way back. Yeah. Oh, solely audio. Um, looking to bring that style back because I do like this format, this long format. Thinking of some ways to kind of uh, maybe spice it up, you know. Maybe have like a bunch of LSD and they got to take the LSD. It's <laughs> 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 <That's> awesome. <laughs> but no, like hot ones, right? Mm-hmm. Sean Evans does a yep. great job yep. interviewing his guests. And they're able to kind of break walls just by eating spicy food. So something different. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Are you, is finding guests on your podcast a challenge or um, how do you, what's your, how do you feel about finding guests on your podcast? Um, <laughs> Call the bandit signs. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep them on the line. <laughs> there, you know, um, it's it can it can be challenging us sometimes. Like if we don't plan it out, but as long as we're planning it out, we're we're fine. Cool. So if you ever need one, any one of us, feel free to oh, contact yeah. us. I would love that. I would love that. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm a I'm a software engineer. Emmett's an accountant now. To then to bartending, then to real estate, and then. I, I'm unstable. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joe deals cocaine. What do you do, Joe? <laughs> wow. Other than cocaine? Yeah. Other than cocaine. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm just an electrical engineer. Nice. That's awesome. How did you guys get together? Uh, from, uh, was it uh, Battlefield Video Game Online? We were looking for teams, and me and Joe found each other, I think, through Reddit or something. So we played Battlefield. No, no, no. We just randomly played one day. You were I was, I was flying around in the biplane. Yeah. You were my gunner. We were, just, we were, we were destroying we were doing, it. Yeah, and we were killing we were, everybody. We were vibing on voice comms. So eventually we got on Discord together and then. It's the and best biplane team ever created. Yeah. Right? That was like yeah. six, five, five years, six years? Probably five. Thereabouts. Yeah, it was 2015, 2016, right around there. And, yeah. 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 And then uh, me and Emmett are cousins. And then, yeah, so that's the circle. And then we've also played uh, PUBG together, all three of us, too. Yeah. What's PUBG? Uh, it's a uh, battle royale um, first. First or third person, first person, uh, a shooter, a shooter game. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, I like video games, man. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't play too many of them. I used to, but I, I don't think I, I played anything since PUBG. PUBG's awesome. I'll tell did you I, what. Did I didn't even know you? Did Did I play with him? Think? Yeah. With I'm sorry, Liam. That That's Mr. Danger. What? <laughs> you didn't, you only knew yeah, now? that's Mr. Danger, bro. <laughs> Duh. Mr. Danger. I had no idea. What a fuck? How did you not name? know? That's I, awesome. I just didn't know, man. I don't know, that's man. awesome. <laughs> no, but these guys were really good. And I was like, I'm okay. Like, I don't play yeah. a lot of video games. So, like, I'd end up on teams with them. But it's a thing where the better your team is, the more challenging your opponents are. Yeah. So, I'm, like, struggling just to not hold the team down. I'm like, oh, I got to not die. I got to <laughs> <laughs> contribute. I got to... <laughs> Yeah, don't meanwhile, I'm stupid. thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> like, What's your guys' favorite kind of video games? Uh, first person shooters. Yeah. Okay. Like count, first person shooter, Counter Strike. Cool. PUBG, uh, Escape from Tarkov. Yeah. How about or Emmett or Joe? I'm, I've taken life as a strategy game, so I'm trying <laughs> to, I think Emmett's haven't touched a vi- video game in a while, so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I play I play a lot of different games. Uh, I really don't have any specific genre I stick to. I like everything from simulation games. Um, yeah, you know, like flight sim, job simulator, which is ironic, I know. And then, uh, <laughs> wait, you play a job simulator? I have, yeah. You know. <laughs> That's an actual game, huh? A job simulator? Yeah, yeah. Just and like, then, d- hey, here's his job. Yeah, man. You know, like, hey, but you gotta file this TPS report, and you're like, oh shit, you know, and you gotta do oh, it. Oh man, the CSV files are. T- yeah. <laughs> you know, you're using Excel in a video game. Um, <laughs> Does it really make you do spreadsheets? No, no, no. 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 no, those, no it's no. actually if you. <laughs> When you I would break, file a protest. <laughs> when you break down a video game and you break down the gamified portions, it's interesting how those... Because I've, I've kind of played... Um, what was it? A cooking simulator? Yeah. Where you're supposed to like... In the kitchen, there's like... There's chicken, eggs, uh, pork, and then rice, noodles. And the recipe calls for three out of ten items. So it gives you a time limit for your character to get over there, grab it, and then bring it back. It's totally gamified. Because if you think about PUBG, PUBG... You got these bullets in your gun that you're supposed to kill something within a certain amount of time or it kills you. It's really the same gamified thing. It's really no, oddly... But, but how is Job Simulator fun? You, it's the same gamified thing because in yep. PUBG, you might be able to pick up a AWM, that big sniper rifle that's totally... Uh, yeah, but there's no guns in Job Simulator. There's but, but there's guns. still resource but, management, you know, and there's yeah, still... Yeah. And human so, resources. That yeah. sounds to Strategy. me like one step above Depression Simulator. Would you, Depression Simulator you be a good game? Knock it, don't knock it till you try it, man. I bet yeah. you it'd be oddly... Once you jump on it, you'd be like, oh, I kind of enjoy so this. That's so cool. You know, that's I, I, interesting. I like, I like House Flipper, too. House Flipper is a fun one. You buy a house and then you literally just fix it up and you have a certain budget and, you know... It, it's That's uh, a simulator? Yeah. Dude, that's so, cool. That's so cool. kind of think of uh, the Lemonade stand. I'm taking us back fucking 30 years ago. The Lemonade game, the with yeah. the Sims, or whatever it was. Where, uh, well, like you get it was like was it text? Was yeah, it but text? actual Lemonade stands are fun. <laughs> Have you? When's the last time you worked one? Yeah. I helped. No, I helped a kid that was working one. I went and bought a shit ton of lemonade from. Him. I always buy a lemonade when I see kids doing it. How how much time did you spend actually making the lemonade and standing the stand? Did the kid did it? I didn't do it. See the, that that's a huge difference. Yeah, jobs suck. Yeah, <laughs> you're a much better person than I am. Whenever I see a kid with a lemonade stand, I call the city and report a permit. Hey, where's your permit, kid? Yeah. What else are you selling? Are you trying to show them the facts of life too early? Is that what yeah, you're doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you gotta keep them down right away. You know, you don't want them thinking they can do whatever they want. That's funny. And then you give them a copy of Job Simulator to get them ready. <laughs> Dude, Farming Simulator is consistently one of the highest 
played games on all of Steam. Like it's always in the top ten. Yeah, like, they, it's, it's like Madden, where there's a new one every year, and people just fucking love that game. All you yeah. do is, is drive tractors and shit. Can you do that with like the Oculus? I'm I'm kind of naive to it, so. Um, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Virtual reality farm simulator. I, I just bought an Oculus recently, and they actually have a lot of these, like House Flipper. I'm gonna buy it in VR, even though I already own it in non-VR. Just because I was I thinking about try getting it. an Oculus, Oculus Quest or two or whatever it is. My buddy just sent me mm. like some discount code for something. I don't know. Oh so yeah, I was thinking yeah. about get, I was thinking about getting it. Actually, right I'm going you, to get it. I'm going. To if get you it. buy one on Amazon right now, you get a fifty dollar credit for Amazon, and also if you have a friend that has Oculus. Or if you're on a podcast with someone else that has an Oculus, they can give you a code and you get $30 in game credit and they get $30 in game credit. And uh, yeah, and I, I actually know somebody that works for Oculus and they can get good deals too. So, wow. Yeah, it's really fun. Like they, like my friend who works for Oculus put me in their Oculus and I had such a blast. I just went and bought one because it's just so amazing. And you can yeah. also hook it up to your computer too. And you can play PC VR games and just use that and. Dude, what are you doing here? You could be in the metaverse right now <laughs> with a meta job. I can't. I can't get in VR yet. I just moved into a new place, and I have like this fucking hanging light chandelier that I will break the first time I put on my VR. I know I will. Oh, <laughs> in from, this room from like sw- swinging bats and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Killing been, ghosts. I, you know what? I've actually uh, there's um. I, I don't mean to get too sidetracked here, but there's a uh this Poker Stars VR. And you can play like blackjack with other people or poker or even slots or whatever. And uh, I've been having a fuck ton of fun with that playing virtual blackjack because it's fun, too, because, like, you know, people will just hand you a cigarette in VR and then they'll light it for you. And you can sit there and smoke it while you're playing blackjack. And it's are are the other characters real people or are they computer? Yeah, they're they're all real people. You know, how do you think this is going to evolve in the next five years? In the next five years? Let's say five to ten years. I don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that. To equate it to like uh, something that's more relatable, I think that we're in like the uh, the eight bit era of VR. Like we're at the very beginning right now, and I think that the VR technology is going to expand exponentially, even in the next five years. And I think that it'll become more and more common, just like gaming. Gaming wasn't as common in the eighties, right, as it is now, nor was it as widely accepted. For I think computer in the coming... back then. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think in the coming future, VR will become far more mainstream and accepted. And um, for as much as I hate Facebook and I hate using Facebook products, I, I actually agree with Mark Zuckerberg. I think that VR is the future of the vast majority of entertainment and interaction that a lot of people have with things. And as it gets better, it's gonna become, like I said, more prevalent. But even now, even with the, the relatively rudimentary graphics and the simple mechanics, it's completely enthralling. Once you put on that VR, you just like, like, like I was talking about the poker stars. When you're at that blackjack table, you just feel like you're at a blackjack table. Like your brain just takes over and says, "This isn't a video game. You're just playing blackjack." Like you know, and I I think that I think are that you people being paid, are, also, are you being paid to uh, sponsor something here? No, <laughs> oh, no. doing a quest too. Thirty dollar gift card. Make you sold me, dude. You sold me. I'm buying. Link down below. Call Joe. I, I just really think that it's going to, people are going to come out with more applications for VR. And I actually, I don't even think VR is the start of the future. I think AR is the future, augmented reality. Yes. 100. People will be able to wear things that augment their real life experiences that blends the best of real life and VR together, you know, and it actually has practical applications too. You know, for example, there's no reason why you can't put on your AR headset, 
look at your engine in, in your, I don't know, Ford Bronco, and then have a Ford expert based out of Illinois or some shit, you know, on there with you. And he can, he can virtually point to a piece and be like, you need to take this off. And you're like, oh, okay. You know, crank, 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 yep. you know, no, shit like it's going to be an and, Indian guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, sirs. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to do the head bob and everything, you know. No, none of that sounds attractive, but you would have had me if it was strip poker. <laughs> Vir- virtual reality strip poker would get me in there to put on it's, the stupid it's, it's really crazy how VR, too, just like it just hits like people's brains differently. Like your brain will override all other senses for the visuals, if that makes sense. Like, mm. like whenever you put, whenever like there's a game where you walk on a plank. You know, you mm-hmm. have to balance in VR. And it's crazy because, like, you actually feel like you're balancing, even though you're just on a flat floor. You know what I mean? Like, your brain overrides right. your ears, which obviously your ears tell you what orientation you're at. Your brain will be like, that's not what's happening. I'm seeing this fucking plank. You know, so you're saying this, the strip poker could be very convincing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Can we do it in a hot tub? I don't see why not. All right. I like next I like time those. I come to Vegas, it's you and me find out. <laughs> no, especially virtual. <laughs> he said AR, AR. Augment. Oh shit! <laughs> well, as long as he's really good looking in the AR, <laughs> like a stud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Overall, I just feel VR has yeah. a fuck ton of applications, and we're in its absolute infancy right now. And in no, the future, this is, this is a scary picture. As as housing gets unaffordable, I can't show up to my nineteen dollar an hour minimum wage job. I can't afford a $40,000 car to start with, uh, but I can pay $18 for a smoothie to show up at my door. We're going to have people paying high rents in tiny little shacks, living in augmented reality, having their yep. food delivered. Yeah, sure. it's literally going to be like, like Ready Player One. Ready Player One, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah people living in shitholes and then escaping in a virtual reality environment where they can be, be whoever, whoever they want. They want. Yeah. yeah, do whatever they want, you know? I saw and, this cat on... Sorry, I saw this cat on YouTube doing freaking... He's doing the... Like he's in his metaverse and he's like a character. Mm-hmm. He has the full like skin suit on and it's, it's great. I'm like, wow, this is, and he's doing it live. Yeah. It's just way rad, man. Yeah. 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 I, and, I, I, and, I, and I do see the applications there yeah. like expand, you know, yeah. heart surgeries, uh, construction, like the, the possibilities are endless. Oh, you know, it's actually also VR has become a big thing for a lot of people with um, uh, varying degrees of uh, like autism and things like that. It's a great therapeutic mm. way for them to interact with people in a non, I don't know how to describe it, like a non. Eye contact? Yeah, yeah, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to figure out yeah. how to say this sensitive, you know, in a Peacefully. sensitive way. Probably not yeah. stressful situation. We are yeah, or even, even like paraplegics, you know what I mean? Or people that are bound, are homebound for whatever reason, or wheelchair bound, you know? Wow, like you there's, imagine that? Yeah. there's actually, there's actually a, a pastor that I've seen that all, all he does is go around and, and, and give sermons and baptizes people in VR, you know? For, and and he, t- he explicitly, not targets, that's not the right word at all, but he explicitly <laughs> seeks out services that, that are in those situations. You know what I mean? That like can't leave their house or whatever, you know? And like stuff like that, I think is just really cool. And I, I actually think, think I don't think Jesus would approve of this. <laughs> of the VR, yeah, yeah, he wouldn't be able to afford a VR. Whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that VR is definitely the future in general. AR, VR, all that shit. You know, I mean, us as humans, it's just 
it just makes sense, you know? And I, it, I honestly feel that people are more social in VR than they are in real life. Like, I've never met an asshole in VR yet, you know? Everyone's just super chill, like, hey, look, we're both in VR. High five, you know? And Wait, does that mean you're the asshole? Probably. probably. <laughs> how do you think, how do you guys think that that will uh, either negatively or positively impact the social connection with actual people? I actually, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. I think on the, if it's true and not tainted by corporate interests, I'm, I'm going to take us there. But I'm going to, I'm going to take us there. Um, so if it's, so if it's true and untainted, so I think the connections are going to be true. As I met Joe six, six years ago on Battlefield and we have yep. a great friendship now. Um, I think VR and AR is going to just make it better. I think corporate interest is, it's just bound to fucking happen. It's going to be, Facebook's going to come out with a certain uh, headset where it always shows ads unless you pay $2,000 a month or some fucking crazy shit. Or or they sell, um, or the best headset is fucking $50,000 headset. Um, So you're going to get these wealth gaps of, not wealth as in money, but as in the experience is going to be affected by that. Mm. Uh, did, did they do that in play, Ready Player One? I think they had ads everywhere, right? I think they did. You know, yeah, as you did. guys are talking, it, I'm yeah. thinking about that movie Free Guy. It's a new, it's a newer movie with Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. and uh, he's actually a C. Uh, what's a computer? NPC. Generated. NPC. Yeah. Thank you. Wow, that was loud. <laughs> that was um, I keep banging my headphone on the. Um, yeah, he was an NPC. Is that what it is? Like non-player, non- non- player, non- non- non-player player character. Yeah. He's, a, non- he's a random character you interact with in a game. Yeah. And then he discovers, he's like, oh man, if I wear these glasses, um, I can become like an act and like navigate through my world. It's a great, great, great movie. So yeah, like, it's a fun movie. Talking, yeah, it's great. I saw a trailer and I, I wanted to see it. And I yeah. hadn't, Ryan Reynolds is great, man. He plays yeah. Ryan Reynolds in every movie. It's great. Yeah. I saw, what was it Red Notice? Yeah. Uh, I didn't like the writing on it. No. Yeah, it's like every character was cheeky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But like to me, (laughs) that's kind of what's expected on a Netflix film with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. It's a a movie written by an algorithm. Like it's just trying to hit like the like how could we appease the most people possible without offending anyone? Like it's just so like I, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. But it's very, you could tell that it's just made, it's manufactured for mass market appeal. That's how mm-hmm. I felt about that movie, you know. And Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds, they both obviously only play themselves. And then, you know, Wonder Woman, she can't act at all. So, whatever, you know. She acted hot. Yeah, exactly. She's got legs, <laughs> you know. I, you know, I wasn't terrible. I didn't turn it off. So, I didn't turn it off. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, but yeah. I'll, I'll admit that Netflix is also very metric focused, you know, like they literally like, like you guys remember the show um, uh, with Kevin Spacey house of cards mm-hmm. that show only came about because of their metrics and their data that they had. This is what they people said that want. people, people that like Kevin Spacey, like the director, David, David Finch or whatever, you know, Fincher and yeah. uh, you know, so on and so forth. And then they just kind of put it all together. And I feel like they've gotten better and better at that. They, Because, I mean, imagine the data that Netflix has. You know, they know how how many minutes on average you watch of a show or a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, they know what – they can put they can put together cor- correlations that 
nobody else can, you know? And I, I think that Netflix has mastered that. And I think Red Notice is the absolute epitome of that. You know, they've they finally figured out how to make things that they know will be successful, you know. Is, is your Netflix viewers. showing you a bunch of uh, Korean options or is that just on my side? Uh, I see a lot of Korean shit, especially after I watch Squid Game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I feel like uh, the Korean TV and movie industry has started producing a level of pretty good production value and good stories and all that. Yeah. And it was an easy import for them to to yeah. take the whole industry and offer it up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to take us down more sci-fi. So my thoughts on the future of AR, VR, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna always jump into cryptocurrency because I love cryptocurrency. Oh, you son of a bitch. Um, it's all a trap. GitHub, open source, blockchain, uh, mesh internet. So if you could get a mesh internet tied to blockchain where internet's as cheap as it can be, it's not controlled by one entity like or two, like a monopoly of Cox Communications right. and Time Warner. Um, so then you get internet as cheap as it is, as it can be. It's not controlled by one entity. Uh, you get blockchain to help currency. Um, one of the factors I'm thinking in my mind is food source would be a tough one to, you'd have to do an open source built uh, economy with like uh, um, I'm trying to uh, Vons or Walmart. I, I don't. I don't even know how that would work out <laughs> to but, deliver my mac and cheese. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's possible. Straight I, it's, to it, my mouth. It's interesting if you take this model. So, uh, risk five processors, uh, CPU processors. If you could build an open source Windows on a PC where you could have a computer for cheap. What, you could only use it when it's online because it has to use the CPU to spread to the network. So the network is an ever-evolving that's, mesh. That's my Chromebook. Does Chrome actually push the CPU back to this? To the not quite that hard, but it's uh, all web-based. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you could do all this without one entity, and it's it's open source code where every every programmer and people would have a consensus to put in huh. code changes. So mesh yeah. processing. Yeah, mesh, mesh processing internet. Um, then you'd have to get into electricity. I don't know how you'd you'd probably you could probably eventually slowly start doing this whole thing. It's just time. It's going to take a lot of time. Yeah. So then, if you do that, then you get into an AR VR world. Everything internet's cheap. Um, the the CPU is is affordable because you don't have some big corporation like Microsoft, Dell, taking profits on the top. So then then it's land- Alienware now. I think LAN would be the next thing. Local area networks? Oh, LAN as in physical owning your house. Like the government probably is able to seize your house or they control They do. It's called property taxes. (laughs) So that's a factor. I don't know how to factor in and all that. Are you trying to decentralize American life and pull the profit out of everything? uh, I think decentralization is the future. Yeah. Makes sense. Not if the profit-making entities that are in control now don't want to. But that the beauty of decentralization is it only needs a consensus. So if you have just if you have if you get to a point where ninety percent of America, uh, the world is f- fucking fed up with the government or the powers that be, you only need that percentage to build your own network. That's the beauty of decentralization. That's people don't understand Bitcoin or Ethereum and yeah. blockchain. This is the paradigm I'm talking about that I've been thinking about for a very long time. Yeah, but you don't have that much uh, dissatisfaction yet because the average American can eat all the deep fried chicken. They yeah, want yeah. It, it, but as the wealth gap gets bigger, yeah, it's a, it's. I feel like it's a matter of time because this capitalist system is built that way, where that ten percent, two percent, one percent at the top is just going to squeeze 
they're going to squeeze enough where people give no, a you fuck. You just get squeezed yeah. into a very happy virtual life. I, that if it's truly happy, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But if they're if they squeeze too much and people there's too many poor people, too many, I don't know if it causes unhappiness, uneducated, and then into more sh- shootings or riots, that could cause a big enough um, revolution. But that, well, that's, I, I I actually think that that you're right. And I think we're starting to see the beginnings of that. And to wrap it back around to what we were talking about in the beginning of this uh, podcast. Cocaine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, cocaine's <laughs> always the answer. But um, what one thing that I think COVID, one good thing out of the cone, the, the, oh, sorry, I don't want to use that word. Uh, the <laughs> pandemic, the pandemic has, has caused is people to realize the value of their labor. You know, for example, like you're starting to see a lot more, you know, um, resignations, you're starting to see a lot more people not willing to work for shit wages. And I think in general, we're moving towards that way overall. You know, I think that people are changing and understanding. I, I think that the status quo is being disrupted a lot because of the pandemic in a good way, you know, and also this relates to your housing thing too, because, you know, like I know a lot of people that like once they, once they got the permanent ability to work from home, why would you live in a city? Why not move out to somewhere like Vegas or somewhere that's cheaper where you could still do your same job, but but you get to keep more of your money because there's no income tax. You get to, you know, live somewhere with lower cost of living, you know, it just makes sense. And overall, I think that people are going to move that direction. And um, we're not quite moving towards decentralization yet, yet. But I think that it will come, especially in the next 10, 15 years. Oh, I actually, th- uh, I think it'd be like 80, 80 or 120 years. I don't know. I'm just, I, I fear humans are too stupid to see the beauty of decentralization. And then there's the powers that be that kind of want people to stay dumb. I, I, it's a conspiracy yeah. theory thought, but. No, you're, abs- they, you're absolutely right. They won't, they won't, they won't push a better, they won't push for decentralization because it doesn't help them. Yeah. So I think it'll be 60, 80, 100 hundred years or Tyson, something. what do you think of all these crackpot theories? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I do know that I've experienced people that moved out of these bigger cities um, outside of Bitcoin and, you know, all this stuff, but moving outside of these bigger metropolis cities and they're now uh, living off land, you know, they're living off grid, growing mm. their own fruits and veggies they have animals. Wait, they're they're going back to farming? Yeah, like agriculture, like for themselves. Yeah. And their community. You know, we, we're, we're naturally community, tribal people. Mm-hmm. And getting back to those roots, I think that there'll, there'll be many splits along the way of this ecosystem, that being one of them, where people live rurally and self-sustaining. Wait a minute. Are you saying there's not one American dream? <laughs> when, when I was growing up, there was the American dream. There was the white picket fence with the two and a half kids and yeah. the dog. And it, <laughs> it was weird because you never thought about it as, you know, we shouldn't all have the same goal, right? We shouldn't all have the same picture of. of no, what, it's very propaganda e. Once you start thinking about it, like, yeah, that was never going to happen. But having said yeah. that, though, there's a lot of people that lived it. I mean, I I I spent my high school years in Michigan, mm-hmm. and about half the people I went to school with, they didn't care about college. They just wanted to go work for one of the car unions, like manufacturing cars on an assembly line, because back then 
even in the mid 2000s, you could literally get a job at a high school on an assembly line and buy a house and maintain it on just mm. your salary without even having to have like, you know, your yeah. wife's salary or whatever. Right. Yeah. But things have changed dramatically since then. Detroit's gone downhill since the 2000s? Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Man, it's so fascinating to me with, with Detroit and Flint, Michigan. Not Flint, mm-hmm. Michigan specifically. Uh-huh. Like with their water <clears throat> scenario. And I'm just like, there's no resources to fix that. You know, they haven't had... It just kind of shows... Because they don't have the property tax income to uh, make all these solutions yeah. with. Yeah. Or people want, you know, because it's what? Predominantly minorities over there. Mm. Uh, it's So Flint, Michigan is literally, yeah, it's the vast majority of them are minorities. And uh, the whole the whole area in general is lower income. Yeah. So there's no incentive. I mean, to, so Flint's water quality we're literally talking about a third world nation in America. It's nuts, man. Yeah, it is nuts. And it's insane that anyone thinks that's okay for any American to live like that. Like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get into American, like, sound very entitled right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have the resources to not have that happen yet. We let it happen anyway. You know, no, you can't give people drinkable water. They just go, it tastes bad. And they buy bottled water anyway. And they buy alkaline water. Yeah, they'll buy alkaline water and fucking avocado toast. <laughs> For $8. Avocado oh, really? toast. Yeah. It's a bargain. Where'd you get that? <laughs> I think I no, saw it's tw- like 13, right? Yeah, Isn't I think it? I saw 12 last time I saw avocado, avocado toast. toast, man. <laughs> yeah. like, dude, blows my mind. There better be four avocados on here. <laughs> and some truffle oil and a piece of bacon. That's what better be oh, on that. Dude, so, so Portland is so bougie now. There's actually, I'm not even joking. There's, a, there's like a boutique salt store in downtown where you can buy salts from all over the world you know you can buy all these crazy himalayan salts and you know south african salts and Mm. i wonder what the difference is between south african salt and pink himalayan salt different vibes right no according i watched a short like i think it was probably a 15 minute documentary the the scientists broke it down there's trace amounts that won't affect you so there are trace differences, trace as in in the minerals, very, very tiny amounts, but it won't affect you. What kind of bong is that? A cheap Chinese bong that I bought from my local weed store. <laughs> How do you know it's Chinese? Did it have a sticker on it? Are you being racist? Yeah, it costs being $18. Oh, what? So $18? Americans deserve to pay American better. American is fucking blowing this shit for $18? Come on. Yeah, that's hand blown. Gentleman in Flint, Michigan, blew that. It looks like a chemistry. <laughs> actually, set. actually, no, a uh, a former prostitute actually blew that because <laughs> she knows how to blow. <laughs> the podcast has just gone down the gutter. <laughs> so I'm gonna take, thanks, Joe. I'm gonna take a tangent back back to uh, psychedelics and ego. Yeah, yeah. Something I was watch, uh, watching Joe Rogan. Uh, I think some uh, he was on some other podcast. But anyways, Joe Rogan mentioned something about ego. He thinks that might be the biggest, the way he worded it, it might be the biggest problem in humans and, and then especially America, but in humans. So therefore taking psychedelics and or psychedelics and or uh, marijuana seems to put wipe away the ego at times. Mm-hmm. And that helps makes us better to each other what's your thoughts on it going through ayahuasca uh 
the toad venom. What's the word for toad? What, what, what's the bufo? Bufo. So bufo and ayahuasca. When you think about ego, when I bring that story up, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I like super relatable, you know, because aside from doing uh, psychedelics and experiencing psychedelics, um, I've like journeyed without psychedelics, you know, like through breath work and and personal development, like with coaches and and better my internal being. And ego is one of those things that holds us back from actually, let me, let me just bring this back to me, holds me, like has held me back from ultimately experiencing like what love is and what other people can give because I'm so much in my ego. Um, immediately when you're speaking, like I'm thinking, I'm reflecting upon my relationship with my significant other. Like she is a, a mirror for me. Um, because at times when something happens, like we get in a discernment, my ego wants to say, fuck it, you know, like old, old me, old me, you know, like, fuck it, uh, whatever, whatever. And just doing things out of hurt. And, but that's not truly what I want to feel. And I think for me, in my experience, experiencing these psychedelics and my journey through personal development has allowed me to really like lean into my ego and be like, okay, that's just a defense mechanism because my scared little boy is coming out. So I get to check that and be like, okay, I'm not that scared little boy, you know, or I'm not scared or whatever. So why even show up that way? When, Joe Rogan mentioned the ego thing on that podcast. I was thinking about my young self uh, between the ages of 16 to the age of 27, where my testosterone levels were much higher. My judgmental self was just skyrocketed or it it was just so high. I just too quick to judge people. And my thing in my mind, I was like, if you're not successful, that's your fault. If you, if you're not, if you don't have the stuff uh, to make your life better, that's your fault because you're too lazy. You're not motivated. As I grow older, there's there's aspects where I think some of that is still slightly true, but there is a lot of my ego kind of dissolving away slowly where I try to think of the society around me, the, the, the network of people where I want a positive change on that. But when I had my ego, that I, I'd never thought about that. So, yeah, and I, I that's a great point, man. And I think, uh, I think we all have ego, and I, I don't see anything wrong with the emphasis or use of ego. Ego got me here. Like ego gets you guys where right. you need to be. Ego gets you in the room. Um, it's this destructive greed. Yeah, yeah. It's that. It's that. That keeps you down and, and keeps it pulls other people down. Yes. Yes. That, that's the important thing. So we all just need to get older and mellow out. I, well, let's, let's take, uh, there, a lot of older, uh, men seem to, I, I say, I think men, I don't know if I see it in many women where they get older and they start getting very political and some of the thoughts, I'm just like, what the fuck? How did, how did your mind go downhill? Maybe that's a natural well, brain oh, function. May, may I interject really quick? With politics? Are you, if you're talking about people that are older than you specifically, I honest to God, 
and I don't have proof of this, and I'm, but I'm, I hope studies have been done on this. I honestly think that an entire multiple generations of people have been ruined by mind-altering chemicals such as CFCs, lead, asbestos, mercury. I honestly got because this whole generation grew up with shit that is carcinogenic, bad for you, and causes all sorts of weird development issues. And it was normal back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I, this is a complete tangent. I'm just saying that's my personal theory. I think that's why, like, a lot of quote unquote boomers are so susceptible to bullshit. You know, they literally their brains have been fucked up by the shit they grew up with, and it's not their fault. You know, it's really not. But I honestly think that they, at some point, they start to lack critical thinking. Because I, I used to do a lot of, like, computer repair work. And a lot of my clients were older people. And a lot of them grew up around this shit. And a lot of them were... God, I, I, I want to use words that I shouldn't use on this podcast. But a lot of them were very <laughs> not do it, as do functional it. as they should be. Uh, I mean, I think you definitely lose. But they were smart people. They were good. You know, they all had... You know, most of them had educations. They worked their whole lives. They were good people. But they just lacked the ability to think. And it wasn't even because, like, they had dementia or anything. You know what I mean? Like, No, but I think there's definitely a mental decline as you get older. There is, absolutely. But I'm just saying that I, I think it's been exasperated by this generation's exposure to essentially experimental chemicals and materials. You Pesticides know what I mean? and, yeah, yeah those, those things are not before, good for before you. Before regulations yeah. existed, you know. Like, like the microwave, man. Yeah. When the microwave yeah. came out, you had to wear, like, gloves. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I remember like, eating like TV dinners growing up. Yeah, that was like the thing. That was like the staple for dinner: yeah. Salisbury steak. Yeah, delicious. And you you ate that shit <laughs> off your goddamn fucking, you know, plate that was made with fucking all sorts Tin. of crazy chemicals, and yeah. you know, then you would fucking live in your asbestos house. You know, <laughs> have your lead paint everywhere. You know, I mean, it just, I don't know. Yeah. Every individual thing that a lot of these people grew up with has been shown to cause various health issues, including cognitive issues. And then they've, yeah. they've been exposed to all of it. And sure, most of them were cut off at some point when the government was like, hey, you know, maybe our, maybe our people shouldn't be poisoned. It's probably not good for the country, right? But up until then, they were regularly exposed to a lot of shit. And I honest to God believe that there's a whole generation of people that through no fault of their own, are just mentally impaired. <laughs> I, I know it sounds fucked up. I know, I know trust me. I, I, I think you're giving uh, I think you're giving our current generation too much credit for being intelligent. Then. I'm not saying that we're intelligent. <laughs> I'm not saying that we don't have our own problems like social media and all this other shit, yeah. you know? Like I, I'm just saying that that particular generation like I would there, say there, they, there's a reason why when some guy calls them and says, "Hey, I'm from the IRS. If you don't give me $2,000 in iTunes gift cards an hour, you know, you're going to jail." And they'll drive down to the CVS and buy two thousand dollars of the iTunes gift cards, you know. Yeah, I I think they all grew up in a simpler time, so it's that hard too. to that too. You you get past a certain age, it's hard to take on board new complex ideas. Sure, you know. Sure, I I, I accept that. But that, that's another thing that's weird though is that like a lot of the older people that I worked for, like I said, they were very smart and they had the ability to learn. But there were certain things that they I, I guess actually a lot of it was old school distrust. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Maybe, yep. but a lot of them were also really stupid in other ways. It's like, all right, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I kind of feel like it's people in general. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the ego thing to answer your question a little bit is 
by removing the ego, you've removed selfishness. I, I found, I found, I see in certain friends that are either druggies or whatnot, they are so selfless. They, I mean, yes, they might be lazy and they're, if I try to compare my actions, my daily life compared to theirs, they're pretty lazy, mm-hmm. but they will not steal. They will not take from somebody else. Harm I, feel, I feel personally attacked right now, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> so take take away the ego. I think you will always end up with an, a human being that cares about other human beings that will put themselves at more harm to at least help somebody else out. Or they they will they at least won't be greedy enough. They might be lazy mm. enough, but they won't take knowingly take from somebody else. Yeah. They're too goddamn lazy. Makes sense. <laughs> All right, let's go into the final questions. First question, uh, what great daily habit or habits do you have? Man, off the jump, uh, morning meditation. Like as soon as I wake up, morning meditation, uh, journal. I journal uh, three things that I'm grateful for. Uh, Every day? What, yeah. Wow. What, what three things will... So this is my, my sequence. I, I'll meditate. Um, and then journal, I have these three categories. The first category is three things that I'm grateful for. The next category is, um, what three things will make today amazing. And then three affirmations. So, uh, and then I introduced, that's a lot uh, of pressure, man, hey, man, <laughs> stressful. <laughs> Ready to wake up. <laughs> and in the evening, um, three things that I'm grateful for. What did I learn from, or what did I learn today? And then how, how was I a giver today? Mm. I think cool. uh, something Thank me and Emmett often go back and forth. I, I think he, th- he thinks that I kind of try to reflect on my actions too much at, at times. So I think by you doing a journal and reflecting on your life, I think that's, that's reflecting where I, I think too many people don't reflect. I think that's a big problem. I don't know if that's ego. I don't know if that's, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just human nature. Maybe Maybe we don't want the stress of having to reflect on our actions, but I think I, I'm a better person because I reflect on my impact on the world. 100%, man. And it gives me an opportunity to bookmark some, some amazing events in life or, um, you know, how, how did I progress in this specific time and where I'm at now? It's a great, great, like, opportunity for me to review. Maybe that uh, not hopefully it didn't sound like I was trying to attack Emma with that, but there is a point probably that it becomes too much. If, if, if it's, uh, if someone tries to reflect on their actions, they go in circles in their brain and they're not getting anywhere. Then that's also, that's probably a, yeah, but I don't want to sit down and realize I'm a dirt bag. (laughs) Yeah. You can't reflect too much. It's it's about finding the balance. You know, you gotta reflect just enough to make yourself better, but not too much. that you're like, Holy shit. I I think, (laughs) <laughs> you know the 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 thing is like with with reflection it's it's for me it's so important to realize like yo at, at one point yeah i'm an asshole or i'm a du- i'm a douchebag or i'm whatever um great okay cool i understand that now like not to beat myself up on it but recognizing it and moving on great how not to be a douchebag tomorrow? Because I used to be a super douche, you know, times I still can be, but like, okay, how not to be super douche? For me, it's, it's, uh, 
what I'll try to um, when I when those moments come up, it's me thinking about oh that situation. I said somebody something to somebody. I hurt their feelings. How, why did why did I feel obligated? Why did I want to hurt their feelings? What happened right then? Was I angry at something they said? Did they hit a trigger point? Yeah. Then, why are you attacking me? <laughs> so then I reflect. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's the same thing. The next time, hopefully that doesn't happen. If right. I if I remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Next question. <laughs> Joe, Joe's going into a fit. <laughs> we losing Joe. I think we made him reflect too much. No, on Brian. <laughs> You're an <laughs> asshole, Joe. Next question. What do you know or think of cryptocurrency? Oh, man. I'm not like I'm, I'm well, I'm okay. With, like I know what cryptocurrency is. Um, I see it as the future of our currency. Um, we're already in the space of digital currency now. We have been. Whether you bank with Wells Fargo or Chase, your money is digital. It's on a screen. You know, it's not real. So having something like crypto disrupt the banking system is 100% um coming to fruition, you know, and isn't here now. Awesome. I, I am a huge cryptocurrency fan. If you ever have any questions, feel free to ask. Dude, me. I'm, I'm interested in, in learning because, uh, oh. oh, yeah, sorry. rocket. I was, I was just going to say, Liam, are you aware of how uh, Zuckerberg plans on integrating cryptocurrency into the metaverse? Not really. I haven't been, I haven't been paying close enough attention. Face coins? See, I, I, well, Facebook's actually part of a group that founded Libra. I don't know if that ever went anywhere, but no, Libra they coin. They, they kind of slowly closed it up because I think there's legal battles with either SEC or something. That wouldn't so surprise me. They, yeah, they quietly closed up. Okay. As far as I understand. Well, anyway, um, I, I don't think that Zuckerberg has it right, but I think he understands the future well enough that he has a little pieces of it. He just doesn't know how to connect them yet. But VR and cryptocurrency, in my opinion, go hand in hand. Yep. And I, I think that in the future, cryptocurrency is going to grow even more through the VR applications and the whole landscape of this augmented reality kind of thing. No, yeah. no, I want real cryptocurrency. I don't want you to give me a virtual cryptocurrency. <laughs> I, I think there's like, I, I think, you know, anybody that's interested in getting in business or, or looking at things to kind of invest in or, or start businesses in, Crypto is one of them. Yep. Cannabis is up there. Yep. Like, you know, um, cannabis, any type of psychedelics are, are definitely paving the way. Um, those are, mm. and then, you know, real estate and then intellectual property for me are like, like tops. Intellectual high, property high is like the ultimate passive income. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's, what's intellectual property? Like owning a song? No, like, uh, um, creating a course, uh, uh you know, like, this beautiful setup that you guys have here. Hey, this is how we set up our mm. our podcast studio. You know, yeah, if somebody if lights. somebody imitated this one to one, you could easily oh, easily yeah. take them down. Yep. For, or oh, for stealing oh, good oh. ideas. Yeah, like if they made like. I, a, I was thinking you're gonna say if someone imitated this, they could easily take me down. I'm like, yeah, they probably could <laughs> easily. Well, I mean, that's not incorrect either. But. <laughs> <laughs> they just had a hot chick on the show that knock you out. <laughs> 
<laughs> she wanted to knock you out. Oh, not oh, me. Oh, are you talking about, you talking about the, that one chick? Um, and, uh, Angie? Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, dude she wanted to punch you. I've never, I've never seen a woman want to punch a man Why would so I? bad in my life. I, I, I was, don't watch it. Yeah, I, I thought I was friendly, but... Uh, oh, man. Th things I was saying video? was rubbing her the wrong way. You were way. friendly, but you were... <laughs> she did not take kindly to your friendship. I was, I was accidentally pushing the wrong buttons. Yeah. I was scared. I, I live 300 miles away or whatever, and I'm just like, oh, God. Like, she doesn't know my name, does she? She, she had a fiery, fiery streak. All right, next uh, question. What's Oh, nature. Nature hasn't come into the studio. Put it outside. Don't kill it. Put it outside. I almost killed it. I'll just let him crawl around for a bit. Um, Next question. What's the biggest problem for humans and what do we do to fix it? Oh, immediately that comes in, man. Is <laughs> No pressure. No pressure. Yeah, I don't dude, know. How do you fix humans? Come on. I don't know Go. how to fix humans. <laughs> I think uh, I think we're overpopulated. Um, mm. I think uh, generally speaking, we have a overpopulation concern, um, which in turn uh, affects our supply chain for food. Um, affordable housing, all this stuff. Ultimately, <laughs> like that's a super loaded question because, like, how to fix that? Sounds like we need a uh, final solution. <laughs> Some type of <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, China was way ahead of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> that that. Like this whole thing that occurred, it is kind of somewhat population control. Those individuals that have pre-existing conditions mm -hmm. that were already ill, like sucking up Medicaid and Medicare and stuff. You know, they those were the individuals that were affected in in some, generally speaking, right? Yeah, were were affected and. Uh, it is kind of population control in some space because um, mm -hmm. they weren't. No, I'm just. Right. I'm, I'm, it's, it I don't even know how to word that. That was. We're, really getting, we're getting ready to the week. Like, That's what you're trying to say. I get it. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think basically. But, I'm, yeah. I'm just kidding. You edit that, uh, Liam. Don't put that in the video. Uh, it was, it was a difficult illness that came along, and the the people that were most affected, and the people that died of it in general, were the least health. Like if you're a young, healthy, fit person, then you typically survived. Uh, COVID, but if you were, if you had some other issues, if you were not a healthy person, then it, it, it was strong enough to knock out some people that weren't in great shape. Yeah. I thought you were going to bring up your other point where, um, we humans might be putting too much value on human life. Like is say someone gets sick with something is, and it caught, it's a $3 million operation to save them is at what point is a life that it's a hard moral question, but yeah is limb worth three million dollars nope let me go are you worth a million um i don't think so i i i, I told my wife a, I, I would say you're about <laughs> worth about a million too i tell my wife if 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 she can't live a happy life then let me go what if she's if just I, mad at you 
Well, no. <laughs> Within reason. Yeah, oh, yeah. What are we talking about? Are we talking about like smothering you? Cut this motherfucker. Cut him. If I'm on... Very if, different questions. If I'm in the hospital and somehow the daily... <laughs> the daily cost is... This motherfucker. <laughs> Cut his Achilles. <laughs> sever his artery. You die in pain. I'm going to put you down like old yellow. <laughs> All right. Next uh, question. Yeah, so so Sorry, of, of the population, man. Yeah, for sure. 100 <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've always said the Big Bang was the biggest mistake in the history of the universe. <laughs> it all got started. Yeah, man. There'd all be right, no next. problems if that hadn't happened. I'm just saying. True. All right, next question is Armageddon, right. man. Bruce Willis. What a guy. Saved us all. Saved us all. <laughs> next question's a lot easier. What's your favorite food or dish? Oh, man. That is not easy. That's okay. not easy. Favorite style of food, I would say like Thai food. Mm. Thai food's probably top. Um, some Tom Ka soup. If if uh, someone, I had a magic wand that said you have to only eat Thai food for the rest of your life, seven days a week, would you be able oh, to do it? Oh, now you're turning to torture. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to torture you, but is, do you love it that much? Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty well, it's pretty well versed. There's veggies, it's not too heavy. Favorite dish, though. Favorite dish. Man. Like, yeah. I would say pad thai is pretty. I, I, I like some. I Delicious. Like, I like a good have, pad thai, man. Have you ha- happened to find a correlation on the color of pad thai to your liking? Meaning, is it usually a little bit more orange? Have you found <laughs> some that's a little bit brown? I, for Oddly, for some weird reason, when I find the brown ones, I tend to like that more. I don't know what it is. The brown versus the orange. Yeah, oh, I yeah. know, I know, I know. Oh, it means there's more soy sauce in it. And it's is that more, what it is? It's less sweet. It's oh, really? more savory than sweet. I, I do like the, I like the sweet, mm. but then I get the little pickled jalapenos mm. and the... Mm, okay, like, okay. Yeah. For spicy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm a sucker for all food though, man. Like... You ever had Korean barbecue? Dude, Korean barbecue is fucking mm. fire. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so fire. I love it. I like it. the sides too. Yeah. Like the sides, man. Is, is it all you can eat up there? The fish no. cakes? Down here for about 30 bucks, there are a handful of great all you can eat Korean barbecue places. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. One uh, fire. One Korean barbecue tip. Uh, I actually don't remember the dish. It's one of the side dishes and it's like a noodles with veggies. It's uh, like a clear noodle. If you ask clear them, noodle. yeah, it's kind of like a glass noodle, glass noodle with the veggies and stuff. It sometimes has a, a brownish uh, and they might add some soy sauce, but you could ask them to warm it up. It tastes the juice comes out cold. Warm is a game changer on that dish. So <laughs> that's my tip. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Ask you got a fire w- right there. You can just put it on the. Well, I actually, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> no, it'll, fall, it'll fall through the grill. It'll fall through the grill. Yeah. yeah. That uh, grills. If the dish could handle it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, last. <laughs> Just cook it up. <laughs> cook it up. Last question. I think I'm going to add one in there. Uh, so it's usually shout out two friends who should do this conversation. Who do you think would be a good guest? On my, uh, two two friends that would be a good guest. Mm. And then also I want to ask you, how do you know Rick Fan? Fan. Great, great. So first question. Uh, two friends, actually, uh, Corey Holtum, um, owner and operator of Rec Room. Out here in Las Vegas. Oh, I know what that is. Yeah. Um, I think great, great, great guess. Um, 
This is a business where you go in with, with a baseball bat and you pay to break shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like destroy okay. TVs. And yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Super, super, super cool. And then uh, my uh, my significant other, Jennifer, um, she's like she would love this space too because uh, she's just the questions that we asked. Uh, she'd get a kick out of this too. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. What does she do for a career? So she's a, she's a Reiki practitioner, um, Kundalini yoga instructor. Okay. And, uh, she has coaching clients. Yeah. Cool. And with Rick, man, I met, I met Rick, uh, at, I used to host these real estate investment meetups with, uh, with another buddy of mine. And, uh, he, he went, he was going to those. And Mm then, um, I spoke at a, uh, like three day real estate investment, uh, weekend. And he went there and then we, we really connected. He's uh, a fun guy. He's really dude, cool. He's, he's a hoot, man. Yeah. He's a freaking, he's a hoot, man. Did he know you prior to, uh, was it 2017 the first time you did psychedelics? No, did no, we, we've <laughs> only known each other maybe for a few years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. He's, he's, he's freaking blast, man. He likes yeah. to grub too. Yeah, yeah. Sushi. Sushi's probably on the top of the food thing too. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. Let's uh, call this the end, gentlemen. Uh, Joe, you got a drink with you to cheers for the end? You got the bong, though, man. I got got (laughs) Trulies. All right. Tyson, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for spending three hours with us. Thank you. Thank you. Good Good talking to you, man. Yes. Same here, man.